It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with my co-host, James Rapine. We're going to talk about the tragedy that was the Bengals trying to bring in Takaris McKinley to fill a desperately needed pass rushing role for this team. And the player that they might look at bringing in, they're reportedly interested in bringing in, now that they've had to let McKinley go. We're going to then get into a Twitter Tuesday. Might be a new name, James, for the midweek mailbag. How does Twitter Tuesday feel? Because really, there's no mail involved in the mailbag at this point. For the second straight day, we start the podcast the same way. Hell to the no. Hell to the no, no, no. You know, that that's hurtful. Uh, so it is the midweek mailbag, <laughs> and we'll keep it as a midweek mailbag. Before we get to the questions, and we've got some doozies today, as we do when when you're two six and one, as it goes, right? Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what happened with Tack McKinley and how the Bengals might choose to fill that roster spot because they have a few roster moves that they're going to have to make this week to get the roster in shape for Week Eleven against Washington. James, I am very sad for the Cincinnati Bengals today, and it's not because they're 6-2-1. It's because, unfortunately, the Takaris McKinley deal, which we thought was a good move, they claimed him off waivers after Atlanta let him go. He failed his physical, and he was released on Tuesday. What a bummer. What a bummer this is, Jake. And I was busy getting interviewed, and I see the news come down from the Bengals. They, they sent me an email, and I'm like, I, I kind of look like a, an older Macaulay Culkin on Home Alone. I was shocked that it happened. And uh, from a football standpoint, this is just one of the biggest needs the Bengals have is a, a lack of a pass rush. And adding a, a pass rusher like Tack McKinley, no, he's not a pro bowler, but he's something. And getting him in there opposite Carl Lawson on passing downs would have been huge, especially a guy that's really looking to reestablish his NFL value ahead of a, you know his free agency this offseason. And the fact that he failed his physical, not sure why. I assume it's because of the groin. He was battling in Atlanta earlier this year. But it's just unfortunate for the Bengals. And and who knows? He goes back to waivers. Maybe he'll get claimed by another team and they'll look at him, have their medical staff look at him. But really unfortunate because I think Lou Anarumo desperately needed another pass rusher on defense. Very badly needed another pass rusher. Sam Hubbard did come back and he was a solid Sam Hubbard, but didn't generate any pressures. In fact, if you look at the Steelers game, the only five pressures the Bengals got from their defensive line came from Carl Lawson. So Tack McKinley, not going to be a Bengal. 
in the past, but that does mean that there is an opportunity here to add someone else to the roster. And supposedly, James, the Bengals are interested in former Giants cornerback and first-round draft pick DeAndre Baker, who was recently cleared from some charges that led to his release in New York. The charges were dropped. There are several teams interested in his services. There are, and the Chiefs are one of them, and they're reportedly hosting Baker for a visit on Wednesday. So we'll see how that goes. The Cowboys were mentioned, uh, according to the New York Post, obviously the Bengals as well. Look, much like McKinley, if the Bengals can get a guy that can help them, one, this year, but Baker, a 2019 first-rounder, it's such a weird situation. He gets cut. He's the 30th overall pick, gets cut by the Giants because of some legal trouble. All of those charges were dropped earlier this week. The charges are dropped. He's never had a record outside of this. He made his case. I've read a couple articles on it. It's really weird. But if he passes the character test and meets with the team and, and you can buy into that, I'm sure he's going to want to sign with a, a contender like the Chiefs. But, heck, if you're the Bengals, offer him a two-year deal with, you know, some incentives, you know, where you can get out of it if he does something bad, all those things, the disclaimers and all those things in the contract that you can put in. This is the perfect type of talent if you could get them on the cheap. And I'm not sure they can, but I'm glad that they're at least in the mix here because they have a lot of needs. And so they have to aggressively address them. And bringing on a 23-year-old like Baker would certainly help. Just trying to explore all avenues to add talent to the team is something that I will always applaud. Maybe Baker didn't have a very high, and he didn't have a very high draft evaluation for me. He certainly had his struggles his rookie year, but he was seen as, at the very least, I as, as I recall anyway, a day two prospect who ends up going in the first round. Some people did see him as the best corner in that class. He does obviously come with some question marks. If those get cleared up, you take the chance. Some other roster moves that we might see this week, James, are players coming off of the COVID list. At least we hope. Guys like Fred Johnson, Margus Hunt could come off the COVID list. Xavier Suafilo could be activated this week. We could see Quentin Spain added to the 53-man roster. So there are other things that will happen this week for the Bengals on their 53-man roster. They'll also have to figure something out at cornerback where Mackenzie Alexander, I assume, is likely to miss this week with a concussion, and they are dangerously thin at the position. So we'll see what moves they make. We'll probably see something come down Wednesday, Thursday this week to try to fill in some of these holes before they face Washington. And I don't think anybody, James, has actually asked about this weekend's matchup. I think we have one question which asked us to just predict win-loss the rest of the way. I think that's the closest we have to a question in today's mailbag about this Sunday's football game. We do have some questions about last Sunday's football game. We'll talk about that and the rest of your questions in this midweek mailbag coming up next. When my co-host James Rapine talks about Bilt Bar, he likes to talk about the obvious fact that everyone knows that your summer bod is made in the winter. And Echelon Fit knows that when it comes to getting in shape or staying in shape, Nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can get you there with their next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. 
No matter your favorite fitness activity, Echelon will give you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of your home. They've got world-class instructors that will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes available whenever you need them. And unlike their competitors, they're affordable for everyone, and one membership lets up to five family members work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon Fit equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash NFL. That's echelonfit.com slash NFL, and check them out today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Jake, did you know that we're just 24 hours away as we record this on Tuesday night from the draft? You're a big draft guy, so I figured I'd point that out. The draft right around the corner. The NBA draft? The NBA draft. See, I like the draft, and now that we're 24 hours away, we could break it down if this was an NBA podcast. It's not, so lucky for you. We're not going to, but see, now this would be an appropriate time to talk about the draft, Jake. Anyway, speaking of appropriate, it is that time of the week to talk to our listeners and answer their questions during our midweek mailbag, which we do every single week. Follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnBengals, to get your questions in. And let's start with at Whitney, who's one of the biggest Bengals fans on Twitter. She asks... Is there a Groupon or something we as a fan base can use to get a good rate on therapy? (laughs) Well, I have a few things I would like to address from your comments, James, and then I'll answer your question. Uh, First, I I do like the NBA draft, and I I was raised a Bulls fan. Little known fact about me, I was born outside of Chicago, was raised a Bulls fan in the Michael Jordan era because my parents were living in Chicago, obviously, before we moved to Cincinnati when I was two weeks old. So then I came up on Cincinnati sports. But the Bulls, I think I have a lottery pick this year. It's pretty high or something. I don't know. The Bulls have terrible ownership and have been really irrelevant for a long time. But I hope that they do something cool in the draft. Um, Next, you reminded people to follow our Twitter account, which was great. I just want to point out that we do this midweek mailbag on Twitter on Tuesdays. Not that I'm attached to the name. That's not my idea, but I just I just wanted to point that out. And finally, the question, Whitney, hello. Thank you for your question on the Locked On Bengals mailbag. I, I think that the thing that I would tell you if you're looking for therapy after a Bengals game is that we're here for you five days a week, and all you have to do is click the play button. We're totally free. James, I will cede the floor to you. Oh, that was really well said. Thank that you. Really well said. I'm not sure there's a, a more consistent Bengals outlet for free than the Locked on Bengals podcast. So I agree with you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Block for Burrow, Rocky Mountain Who Day at Dude or Thou on Twitter. A longtime question asker in the Locked on, ba- Locked on Bengals mailbag. I'm having a hard time talking today. Should Hakeem Adenergy start over Bobby Hart based on the small sample size we've seen on tape in the last two weeks. 
That's tough because Bobby Hart started to play better. Here's what I will say Akeem Adeniji's done. Akeem Adeniji has done enough to where I'm not rushing Bobby Hart back. Bobby Hart might be 80%, right, or 90%. Eh, take another week, Bobby. But let's take one more look here at Akeem Adeniji. And maybe we'll activate you, right, you know, and, and have you as a backup, sort of like Jonah Williams last week. He, he was available if needed, I think, but they didn't want to use him. And so I think that that's where you could go with Bobby Hart. So you can really take your time there and get a, an extended look at Akeem Adeniji because he's not hurting you. And there is a scenario in my mind where let's say Hart misses another week or two, which given the way the Bengals have used IR or not used it could be the case with this knee injury because they've really fumbled the ball when it comes to, to IR and some of these guys, Geno Atkins, Joe Mixon and others, they didn't do it. And then they missed more than the three games that's, required if you do go on IR uh, I think that Akeem Adeniji deserves that time and I get it he's switching from left to right tackle assuming Jonah Williams is back this week I'm okay with that give him some reps and and, and let's see how he plays and, and the other thing here is Fred Johnson we would expect him to come off the COVID-19 reserve list I would say Wednesday maybe not but I could certainly see that come uh, happening on Wednesday and if that's the case then he's another guy who could certainly start at right tackle I would feel a lot better about giving Hakeem Adeniji a shot at a new position, right tackle. He hasn't played right tackle in the NFL. And there is a difference. I mean, it's it's not huge. And, and I think that the NFL is getting better at switching players from left to right and right to left. But he's got experience with left tackle to the point where I think the Bengals feel more comfortable keeping him at left tackle. And if the Bengals feel that way and feel that he's much more playable left tackle than other positions, then I'm a little bit concerned about him at other positions. And, and I don't know what that means about my ability to, uh, I don't know what that says about my framework for judging the offensive lines skill level compared to how much I trust Jim Turner's evaluation of the offensive line skill level. Um, but I feel a lot more comfortable if it wasn't Washington this week. If it was next week and it was the New York Giants, I'd say, yeah, put him back out there against the New York Giants at right tackle. But Washington does still have very good pass rushers in Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, even though Allen is a tackle. And so for this week in particular, I'm not interested in seeing what I've gotten, Hakeem Adeniji. I'm more interested in protecting Joe Burrow. And if Bobby Hart is ready to go, I'm putting Bobby Hart back out there because I think he's their best bet at right tackle. Even after Quentin Spain, he, he was fine. But when they became a drop back passing team, the offensive line started coming apart. And, and maybe you weren't watching the game at that point. I was paying a lot less attention at that point in the game from like midway through the third quarter on. I was kind of making sure like, oh, Joe Burrow got hit again. Is he OK? He's OK. All right. That's kind of how I was watching the game at that point. But I'm interested in keeping him upright. So if it was a different opponent this week, I'd be way on board with you, James. Wow. I, I just, I get it. And I understand it. I just can't believe we've gotten yeah. to this point with Bobby Hart. What a, what a 180 for him. He's you know, a, it is. He's had a nice year. He's had a nice he's year. He's been solid. You, you give, would you, what if he, what if he can't play and it's Fred Johnson back? Are you going Fred or are you going to I think I'm more comfortable with Fred at right tackle just because of the experience factor. Again, if if, if this is next year, if if I had any inclination that they were working a at right tackle, 
then then fine. But I, I do think that I would at least start with Fred. And then if, if, if it's a disaster, then you bring Adenogy off the bench. I can't knock it. I, I, it's interesting. I just, uh, Akeem's my guy. We, we've talked about that for a while. And, so and he's, he been, his... he's been a nice little surprise. He's been a little bit better than I thought he would be at this point in his career. I, I thought he would need a little bit more seasoning. I do think that he needs more seasoning, but with what they've been able to do to help him, and they were mostly helping on TJ Watt's side, to be fair, I, I think that if the game is close, it's workable. And that's the biggest thing for the offensive line is when, when things get out of hand and you're dropped back passing, then the offensive line cannot be hidden. And, and then you just need guys that can win one-on-one matchups. Next question is from Bengal Hugger. He says, after watching the All-22, how much of Burrow's bad Steelers game looked win-related and how much looked like missed throws? Wind was a factor. I, I can confirm definitively that wind affected the ball, and I think it affected decision-making to some degree for both Burrow and the coaching staff. That being said, I think the Steelers did some things that they hadn't put on tape prior to this game or, hadn't, or, or did some tendency breakers and the Bengals were caught off guard by that a little bit. It muddied his post-snap decision-making process. He missed some throws, certainly, due to wind. He missed some throws in terms of he didn't pull the trigger on some throws because I think that his initial expectation of what he would see post-snap was subverted by what the Steelers did. And so it's a little bit of both. I think this was one of Joe Burrow's worst games of the season. And he's only really had a couple of duds. Unfortunately, they're, they, they come against the, the two best teams in the division in Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Now, those are also two of the best defenses in the NFL. They have in, incredibly disciplined secondaries. They have, in their own way, they get a lot of pressure for Pittsburgh. It's TJ Watt and a dominant interior defensive line with the side of Bud Dupree taking advantage of all of those good players beside him. And in Baltimore, they've got really good blitzes. And they, and they are, again, very disciplined in the back end. We saw the Steelers bust one coverage, but they, they were, for the most part, doing exactly what the defense was designed to do, which was making Joe Burrow's job very hard. So for me, I'm looking forward to seeing how Burrow comes out the next time and learns from it. We've seen him repeatedly be a very fast and effective learner and adjust some of his approaches to the game of football based on what he's seen. He made adjustments in the game. They, they ran the same concept a few times into different coverages and a couple times into the same coverage and where he made a mistake early in the game, he corrected it later in the game. So it's a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of wind. It's a little bit of accuracy. It's a little bit of mental processing. It's a little bit of preparation. And it's a little bit of wide receivers making some mistakes too. So I, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. There is. We asked the coaches there, specifically Zach Taylor. And he was like, look, we just didn't play well as an offense. And I didn't coach well. And there was there was a lot of factors. And certainly that was one of them because Joe's the type of player that can overcome a bad play call or a bad, you know, a couple drops by the receivers or, you know, things like that. He can do that usually, but he couldn't that day uh, on Sunday. And that's just, you're going to see that at times. I actually do think, though, that, Joe playing in that type of wind and it was really ripping through Heinz field. Like we talked about actually before we started recording Jake, I think that's going to help him 
kind of adjust to that. And and I, I don't know how many times he's played in something like that. I mean, the high school football season's over. He didn't play much at Ohio State. And then at LSU, half of his games were in domes, right? So you, you just – you don't know. Uh, and he certainly hasn't played in a bunch of bad weather. And I get it. He's an Ohio kid. I think he'll be able to learn from what happened on Sunday. More of your mailbag questions next. But I've got to talk about the best protein bar on the planet because you hear me talk about it all the time. I have a built Bar each and every day. They taste amazing. They come in 18 different flavors, including their six new flavors. So if you heard us talk about these guys six months ago, six new bad boys to try. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp, plus the classics like my favorite, mint brownie. you got to check these out. The best thing about them is obviously their taste. Right behind that, the macros, low in sugar, high in protein, perfect midday snack or post-workout protein boost. And right now, you're going to save because when you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, you're going to get 20% off your next order. Again, promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we wrap up our mailbag, James, I have one question for you myself. Have you clicked on any, what are they calling these Twitter stories? I don't even remember. Sweeps? Sweeps? I don't remember. Fleets. 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 Yeah, like ships. Fleets. Have you clicked on any of these? No. I My, my app hasn't updated yet, and I have auto-update on. So I'm kind of curious when it's going to happen. And, I, um, yeah. <laughs> I have not. I have, like, 70 of them to go through. People are really using. I, I'm never going to use it. I'm never going to click on any. I'm never going to use it. That is not for me. I'm going to be an old man about it. Our next question comes from Jeff Johnson, Jeff Johnson 73 on Twitter. He says, there's no doubt the Bengals need to upgrade the offensive line in the offseason. The question is, how good does the line need to be for the Bengals to be competitive? Obviously, everybody wants to see the best offensive line possible. They go against Baltimore and Pittsburgh twice a year. But does Joe Burrow's mobility mean that serviceable is okay or do they need to do better? I think serviceable needs to be the bare minimum in 21 because serviceable. Yeah. With Joe Burrow is going to get you where you want to go. And and that's kind of the bar, but obviously, like he said, you want to have an elite line at the same time. It's much easier said than done. The Bengals have tried and tried and tried to replace Andrew Whitworth and the best replacement for Andrew Whitworth would have been Andrew Whitworth and free agency. Right. So it, uh, it's just the, the reality of things, but they're getting better. Uh, We talked about Akeem Adenogy. I do think Jonah Williams is a piece, Trey Hopkins. So are they going to have to add a right tackle and a couple cards probably this offseason? Yes. But even if they can find a really good right tackle in free agency and maybe a a guard in the draft, suddenly that line becomes much better. So that's kind of where I'm at. And and, and I think – I don't think they're going to have an elite top five offensive line overnight, 
but I think it can get much better if they attack it aggressively this offseason, which is something they didn't do. And if they do that, and it is serviceable or better, then Joe Burrow will have success, even against the Pittsburghs, even against the Ravens, because everything will be easier. It won't feel like a, a struggle to run the ball. It won't feel like a struggle to block for more than two seconds. You won't have to scheme everything around this big weakness in the heart of your offense. And I, I think that'll make life easier uh, for everybody, including Burrow, who will be much more experienced this time next year. I agree with you big time. I, I think that they really need to push for some substantial improvement here. Burrow, like every other quarterback in the NFL, does not play well when he's pressured. And when you can't do true drop back passing when you need to, and, and it's hard. Teams are built to stop you when they're ahead with good pass rushes like the Steelers and the Ravens are the Ravens have. But you need to be able to keep your quarterback upright in those situations to give yourself a chance because the games aren't always going to go as scheduled. You can't have two fumbles in the first quarter essentially put the game out of reach. And, and that's what it felt like on Sunday because we knew that you know the offensive line wasn't going to be able to hold up and eventually the defense was going to break. And this defense is a long ways away. So if we're going to try to be a team that in Cincinnati, if they want to just go out there and try to score 35 points a game, well, yeah, I, I think you need an offensive line for that. Because Joe Burrow, while he is mobile and he, and he does try to extend plays, he, he doesn't have the Russell Wilson, the Kyler Murray, the Patrick Mahomes arm who's going to flip the ball 60 yards downfield while he's getting hit and, and you know he's fading away. He's not going to throw it you know, 30 yards across the field when he rolls right to the left sideline. That's not his game. And so I do think that the offensive line is pretty important. Now, the the degree to which they have to spend on it and, and invest it in the offseason really comes down to me, to, to Quentin Spain. Does he show that he is actually an average NFL player? If he does, suddenly, I think you, you, your knee goes down a little bit, not a lot, not enough to say you don't address it, I think they do still need to figure out left guard. I don't think Mike Jordan is ready. I don't know if he will be ready. And I don't think Bobby Hart is a long-term answer. So the the only other thing I'm going to say here is more than any position in football, I think positional coaching matters a lot for the offensive line. And I, you know, we, we've seen some moments from this offensive line, but I am far from convinced to be polite, that, that Jim Turner is the right guy. And this actually ties in really nicely with our next question. And, and we'll just combine these, James. This is going to be the rest of the episode, I'm sure. New Day, Dusty, Dusty Balls 08, long-time question asker. Joe's favorite name to read in the mailbag. Can you imagine Can you imagine why, James? I'm sorry I took that away from you. Offensive line was a top concern at the beginning of the season, says Dusty, but some would argue the defensive line should be the top priority in the offseason. Where do you guys stand? And and this fits in really nicely with Earl Mitchell Earl Michelle's question. Earl Michelle sixteen has the has the team's biggest needs changed since the start of the season. Whew. this is tough. Um, yes, the, the team's biggest needs have changed. Uh, I'll start with Dusty. Offensive line is still the number one concern, and, and it, it's the number one concern because it directly impacts the guy who's supposed to get you to the Lombardi Trophy and Joe Burrow. So absolutely, that that's the thing that's going to make or break you. If you give Joe Burrow a great offensive line and weapons, 
well, then he'll just go hang 45 every week and your defensive line isn't going to matter as much. But the reality is, is, is yeah, defensive line went from what I considered a, a big-time strength, arguably their best strength, which is crazy to say at the beginning of the year considering where we're at now, uh, pre-training camp, that is. And now it is a major weakness. Uh, maybe their their second biggest weakness. It's certainly up there. It's something they're going to have to address. And the problem is, is you have a guy in Geno Atkins just kind of weighing you down. And what is he going to have post-shoulder whatever? Because I don't think he's recovered from that. I think that's clear. What is he going to be next year? And will he be able to stay healthy? And will he be able to contribute? Will you cut him? What will you do? You know, who knows? So that obviously is a need. And then getting into what Earl asked, I think that there's, oh man, I mean, there's so many needs. I'll start on offense. They have no literally no deep threat none and t higgins at times right he's, he had the 54 yarder the other day the 67 yarder against the colts but they really need a speedster a guy who can get separation you know break over the middle get downfield it's clearly not john ross who's on injured reserve now it's not mike thomas even though zach taylor loves him uh, it's not tyler boyd who's great in his role and the best receiver on the team i don't think it's t higgins yet maybe one day and it's not aj green and that's the problem with the wide receivers and the defensive line is you were banking on some older guys in green Dunlap Atkins to make an impact. And you've either had injuries or they haven't had the impact that you hoped. So, so those are three needs, but it's, it's kind of crazy, Jake. I, I don't really see them addressing linebacker, but I could certainly say a corner being a huge need um, safety, probably not. Uh, but, but I, you're talking defensive line, you're talking corner wide receiver, an offensive line. That, that's that's four big needs, I'd think, or, or I'd say going into next year. And if I had to rank them, and I know this is long-winded, I would go offensive line, defensive line, wide receiver, and then corner. And uh, it's uh, the, the good news is, is at receiver, at least, it's only one player you need. You don't need a bunch. At corner, you could need multiple. Yeah, the big question at corner is, is what's going to happen with William Jackson, Mackenzie Alexander? Is Trey Wayne's going to come back in December and show you that he can be a number, I want to say one, but he, I, I mean, that would be a shock. I, I think he would be a solid number two, right? So I actually tweeted this yesterday. I was thinking about the offseason, and I said that here, here are the things that the team needs to do better. They need to pass protect better. They need to separate early in downs. And, and that goes hand in hand with, with getting a guy that can separate down the field. They need to pass rush better. And I also commented that I think that's the hardest thing that they have to fix and they need to cover better. And, and part of covering better isn't just players. It's also defensive coordinator. So has, has the needs shifted? If you're building a team that has unlimited resources, I would say that defensive line is a bigger need than offensive line right now. And you would address that first, but you can't address everything in one off season. And so because of that, I have slowly climbed onto the train that is just ready to essentially kick the defensive can down the road. And, uh, you know, the, the approach I would take to, to the defense is something like the 2005 Bengals and, and try to get a defense that's going to be able to create turnovers and they're going to give up a lot of points when they don't create turnovers. But get those ball hawks in the secondary and uh, try, try to find some guys that can can create turnovers and then try to score 35 points a game. 
And to do that, that means just like you said, James, I think you're starting with the offensive line. It would be great if they had a Marquise Brown kind of wide receiver. And let's not even talk about John Ross. And I, honestly, we'll have to see how CJ Uzama comes back because right now they could use a more athletic tight end too. They're kind of using Auden Tate that way to some degree in addition to his wide receiver duties. And and then, I and then you know, pass rush, they, they just – if they don't keep Lawson, the defensive line has literally no pass rushers. Literally no. And I think he's going to ask for the moon. And I and think just... he's going to ask for the moon, Jake. And that's that's the problem is like if, if William Jackson III wants $16 million and you're already paying Waynes, and then let's say Carl Lawson asks for $18 million. Let's just say – and I, I wouldn't be shocked. What – what do you do? You you can tag one of them, but they're going to be disgruntled and unhappy. I I don't know. I, I, I would probably say tag Jackson, I guess. And I, I couldn't pay. I don't know who would pay Lawson 18, but he's the only productive pass rusher. I would ask for top-of-the-market pass rusher money. He, he wouldn't likely get it on the open market, but I do imagine the Bengals would have to overpay to keep him. I think that he knows his situation. And I think that if the if the talent was better around him on that defensive line, he would look a lot better. I mean, they're they're starting Amani Bledsoe. They're start that you know Khalil McKenzie is getting significant snaps. Sam Hubbard's back. That's great. He hasn't been a great pass rusher this year. I mean, he's producing the limited production that the Bengals have in the pass rush essentially all by himself. And so this is the predicament that the Bengals find themselves in, right? Is a couple of their guys that are above average players and William Jackson and Carl Lawson set to walk. And if they don't keep them, then literally all of the talent on your defense, you're banking on Trey Waynes. You're banking on DJ Reader, the free agents you brought in last year and Jesse Bates. And, and I guess some people would argue Sam Hubbard, but, but uh, I, I think everybody knows that I'm not there. So it's a tough sell for the defense and, and, and keeping something together right now. But I think that again, I would take that 2005 approach. No doubt. I, I agree with you. And I think it's the easiest way because we know Burrow's legit, right? Like it, it should be easy to find a speedster, right? You, you can find – I mean th- think about the, the speedsters that you, – you mentioned Marquise Brown. He's, he's a, a first-round pick. Uh, well, let's find the next Terry McLaurin. Well, let's find the next second, third-round guy that can contribute right away. And McLaurin's a stud, right? But you know that, that would be the home run type. But even if not – and you get a just a guy who could stretch the field occasionally. With Burrow, that should be enough. And he just he hasn't had that at all this year. So you do that, and you beef up the offensive line some, and you should be really, really good on offense. Give them credit for finding T. Higgins. Love how that is going. I think, like you said, James, they just need one more piece, get, get open early in downs, and downs, and stretch the field. Terry McLaurin would be great on this team. T.Y. Hilton kind of, kind of player. Right, he's a free agent. Go get Curtis Samuel. Um, T. T. Y. Hilton's yeah. T. Y. Hilton's a little some speed, but Samuel would be interesting. Yeah, and and uh, last thing I'm going to say, we have to close the episode out here. Draft uh, looking ahead looks really good. Day one, early day two at tackle, depending on who comes out, who stays in school. Really Agreed. deep class at tackle. I think there's like eight guys in the first two days that that right now I tentatively like. So, um. Good receiver class too. Good receiver class too, and Kyle Pitts. So, and and that's the thing is like, 
for yeah, Kyle Pitts. Let's just say like that that counts as a guy that would really really help the offense, right? But uh, if if you go that route and you say, all right, we can help our offense through the draft with our first four picks. Well, it was a really defense heavy offseason last year. Maybe you flip it and it's an offense heavy draft and you just add a, another piece or two on defense and free agency. I would really enjoy one of those fast Alabama receivers. If Jalen Waddle is looking healthy, that would be that would be some fun. And so would Devontae Smith. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to start talking about this Washington football team matchup. The only football team in the NFL without a nickname. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.